human first, everything else after. Welcome to What's Betwixt Us, stories of working while human. I'm Lissa Mandel. What's Betwixt Us is a series of conversations about empathy at work, at work. It's about diving into the messiness and the specificity of being human on the job, any job, and how empathy isn't just a nice-sounding buzzword for company PR. It's a rebellious act of remembering that we're human first, everything else after. On today's episode of What's Betwixt Us, I had the joy of meeting and getting to know coach, speaker, and self-identified mind architect Manpreet Bawa. Manpreet is passionate about technology, wellness, and where the two intersect. We go deep about making choices, starting with small, aligned changes, catalyzing wake-up moments, and leaving a legacy to be proud of. Manpreet says, We make success so hard and failure so easy for us. Get ready to take notes. Lots of juicy, helpful stuff here. We began this episode as strangers and ended it as friends, which is always the best-case scenario. Please enjoy episode 33, If I Lose, So What? with Manpreet Bawa. Welcome to What's Betwixt Us, listeners. Today, I am delighted to have my new friend and acquaintance, Manpreet Bawa, who is a coach, speaker, a self-identified mind architect. Definitely going to ask about that. (laughs) Uh, He's passionate about technology, IT services, and loves to talk about wellness and mindset and all that good stuff that we love here on What's Betwixt Us. Manpreet, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Lisa. It's an honor to be here with you and sharing my life with you guys on this time. Thank you. I mean, sharing sharing life is all we can do here, right? I think that that's uh, a great place to, to the, enter this conversation where we started off mic and then I realized that you were saying stuff that everybody should hear. So I would love to hear about where you came from in terms of the work world and how you segued into how you found yourself moving into the coaching sphere and the wellness sphere. What was your journey? Okay, sure, sure. Thank you. So um, as I was mentioning off mic, I started my journey in IT services and that's where I've been for the last 20 years. I've worked with retailers across the world, helping them design solutions. That was my bread and butter. And I've moved with that role across the world. I was in the U.S., now I'm in the U.K. But with COVID happening, uh, you know, I was put into place. Uh, actually, it put us all in the space where we had to, like, rethink our priorities. And and I had, uh, you know, these times where I started to question, like, where am I heading with these things? But I wanted to grow in my career, but I'm hitting gr- ceilings. People are controlling my time, what I do, when I eat, how, you know, how much breaks I get, what time do I friend, uh, spend with friends. But more importantly, how much I can make, like there is also a limit. So if I ever decided that I was going to make, uh, you know, X amount of money because I am going to put only why amount of hours then that's my decision but somebody putting a ceiling that okay this is all you can do no matter you make work so many hours but you, this is all you're gonna get and that really put me position like oh, i am not in control like it was a big moment for me realizing that maybe just nine to five is not cutting and maybe also that 
you know, after being 20 years working and now that money is not the primary driver and I'm not so much about survival, what else can I do with my life? Like my life has to matter. It was a question uh, that, that I had in my mind, like if I were to die tomorrow, what would people know Manpreet as? Just somebody was born, raised, went into a job and that's it. And that question just woke me up. Like, I don't want that to be me. I want to be doing something for which I'm known. Like I want to make some difference. And that's where really when I started to first question and figure out for myself what I want to do, what I can do. Uh, I started with that one question and it just one thing led to another. And the, the coaching it made home. I've always help people grow in uh, teams, like I've mentored teams, I've uh, uh, built uh, teams, but it has always been as part of the job, as part of my responsibility. And it was in some way selfish of me because I would only work with the people that were part of me, right? They, It has to give some outcome to me for me to work with them. But with the coaching, I wanted to shift, like I wanted to make sure I'm able to give what I received in my life. So this is where I started uh, mindset coaching because that's all I knew best out of my life experiences. Yeah, I mean, I love, I, I love, I feel like this reminds me of this Elizabeth Gilbert quote. She says, I've never seen any life transformation that didn't begin with the person in question finally getting tired of their own bullshit. Excuse my language. <laughs> yes, but I that's think what it is. Yeah, you get to this breaking point where you know a transformation needs to happen. It's like bubbling inside you, ready to be birthed. And I think that yeah. the best way to become a coach or a therapist or any sort of, you know, any sort of like guide in that way, you have to go through your own first to have the experience. So I wonder, you know, how it's been for you so far. You talk about every people going through this wake up moment where they're reprioritizing. And how has it been for you so far catalyzing? other people's wake-up moments? It's, it's a very interesting thing. And especially the people that I started working with were uh, very different stages of their journey. Some people were very new into the careers. And there were people who had been like be 20 years and then in the middle, like, and everybody has their own challenges and their own things. But the one thing that I found common thread across everybody was we had all forgotten that we had a choice to make. Like every moment yes. we are making choices. And we when, when we were not making those choices consciously, we were unconsciously leaving those choices to be made for us. And that's the power. Like when you realize this, that I am giving that choices to somebody else if I'm not making, that wokes people up. And, and the other thing I found for myself and others, how easy it is. Like once you made up your mind, then it becomes easy. Till you make up your mind, you have all the circle, what about this, what about this, that, that. But once you just make a mind of doing really something small, like starting with very small thing also, once you make up your mind, uh, everything changes. Uh, because then you start to dream again with that one little choice of a change, you can start to dream again. And that's where magic happens. That's absolutely, wow. It speaks to me really personally in my life too now, because I've been, uh, I've been sort of straddling, you know, on top of, on top of COVID changing everything, yeah. 
I am 38 years old and it feels like this midlife, I know what a midlife crisis is now, you know, <laughs> like I'm being yanked in these two directions, you know, mm. do I can continue to, to live as I've been living and be free and traveling and an actor and, you know, or do I choose to settle down here and grow some roots? And mm. I've been stuck in this middle place and it's, it paralyzes me from doing anything else, you know? Yeah. Yeah, or you could do both, uh, right? Parts, a little bit here, a little bit there. Because this is where the choices become hard. When we start to see choices as like absolute, yes. this is at least from my own experience, that when I started looking at, okay, what else I could do with my life, coaching was not the immediate answer, right? It was far from immediate because I haven't done it. Like I've done uh, in my job capacity, but not in a something that as a career so I didn't see myself I thought IT was the one that was I was going to go I was going to start something in IT services and do that and as I dig more in what I wanted to do with IT and I started to sort of visualize having visions what do I want to see myself five years I saw myself on the stage training people coaching people and then as I visualized more I was still looking at the IT side I had a question like, okay, wait a minute. If I all I want to do is help people, train people, why am I building company? Like, why am I going like round way this? Why cannot I just go straight and do something? And and I think the point I'm coming back to is the choices, like you said, there are two choices. And if they are absolute, if we make them absolute, then it becomes hard. But if you look at them like eight, they both are equal. And they both are different and B that you can change them like you can change them now but you can also change down the road like if you started doing something in the middle way where you did a little bit of this a little bit of that and if that didn't work you can again change like we forget we can do this again and again and it's so easy to just get in that absolute okay either this or that and then we just kill ourselves in the middle right <laughs> absolutely right I mean and, you know, people, my, my dad loves to say this to me all the time, you know, like life isn't in the black or white, it's in the gray area. Uh, I can't tell you how many times he said that to me. And I think he says it to me to remind himself as well. But I think that when we come to this, like when we come to a major crossroads, a major choice point, there's so much pressure, like, oh, whatever choice I make right now is going to be what I have to live with for the rest of my life. Uh, yeah. What if I don't like it? What if I make a mistake? But I think it's really empowering to have reminders that you can continue to change your mind, that, that you yeah. have to continue <laughs> to change your mind. Yeah. I'm just going to point out one thing that it's not the choices that we are afraid to make. It's the consequences that we are afraid of. And a lot of it comes from childhood is yeah. that no, we, we want to validate, we want to make sure nobody blames us, but more of us, more often it's just, we want to make sure we feel like worthy of, you know, making the right decision. But whereas it's life, you can keep doing it. And and even those consequences that, you know, they go with, you know, they will happen whether or not you make the choice. So uh, rather I make a choice and live with those consequences than leaving it for somebody else to make the choice and still live with those consequences. Right, right. And, and not making a decision is a decision in itself. <laughs> yes. 
Yes, absolutely. So I, I'm curious, you know, you've lived in the US, you've lived in the UK, you've lived in India, and I wonder what your perspective is as a global citizen on yeah. how people think about the concept of empathy uh, differently in those places. Do you notice a difference or do you feel like a unity coming into place? I think India, because it's so diverse, like every 50 kilometers, language changes, food changes, people change, and we have learned to live in that diverse environment. India, I feel people are still a lot more empathetic. Like they have this, they have this sense of family culture, like people see you as one. Uh, whereas in the times we are in US, especially right now, uh, there's a lot of differences between you know, for whatever reasons, I'm not saying right or wrong for all the racial discriminations that has been done, but that right now, uh, just people identifying with one thing or the other, right. right? Whether you're right or wrong, all the identity is the matter of identity, right? Because I identify as black somehow if something has gone wrong and I'm not saying whether it's wrong or right. I'm just saying it's the part of how we shape our identity if we are not able to see other identity as one right that yeah. you will not have, have that empathy so you know going back to like you mentioned the global citizen that's a identity if we are able to see each of ourselves as you know one like one big community then it's easier uh, like in a family we don't have to teach that you know you need to love your brother or it just comes because we identify with that family like we identify with that community that we grew up we identify with that religion so i think a lot of the issues we have today they boil down to identity that we have these smaller identities that are not able or that are not allowing us to have the empathies and the care or the peace or being able to see everybody having the same level of equity yeah. is because the difference is identities. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's true. That's true. And I think that's why, you know, when people have really deep spiritual or mystical experiences, you know, they, they get the sense of oneness. It's like transcending the identity that the identity is attached yeah. to the ego, but the ego isn't who we are, you know? Yeah. 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 And, and, and we are able to let go. Everybody is able to let go of that. When you're watching a movie, you don't know the person, but when you are in that emotional sort of hypnotized state, yes. you're able to let go of that identity. You don't feel who you are. You don't see the difference. And that's really where we need to be. But and another thing is, I think, at least in India, what I saw, I, I cannot comment on the US side of things. A lot of times, these political systems use your identities against you like they divide yeah. and rule and that's where uh, a lot of the root of the problem is that we are allowing those political parties to use our emotions our identities against us they get better or worse from those identities they understand that part very well yeah i mean that's absolutely true and i i feel like that also, not just in political systems, but in any kind of like institutional system, we, we have identities like in the corporate world because it gives shape to, we know what our role is. So yes. I, I wonder if you could speak to, because part of your job, I imagine, is like kind of breaking those roles a little bit to get people to, you know, 
think larger and understand each other better. So how do you deal with people in that situation when they're, when they get, when they get scared or defensive? Yeah. So the first thing, uh, I guess I, in my training or the way I approach is, is is this question. If there is a problem, first identifying that problem Mm -hmm. and, and then if they have a solution or their choices, like what purpose is it solving? What is the purpose of, what is the outcome you're trying to solve with that problem, right? And because a lot of times the people get stuck on the strategies they are taking rather than the outcome. You, If you have an outcome, like if you want to go to New York, you can go in 10 different directions and reach New York. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times people just get on stuck on the direction they are taking to get to the New York. When they really want to get to New York is the main thing. They forget the main thing and they focus on there. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is to help differentiate between whether it's the choice that they are making, the direction that they are taking, that is what is causing them that unease or they're becoming defensive or is it really the outcome? A lot of times, if they are able to move them from that direction to the outcome, then they are able to let go. They become more flexible because in the end, they also want the outcome, but it's the focus that needs to shift. Yeah. And people do get stuck in their ways. And so I wonder like, what are the, what are the tools that, that, that have helped you or that you have found help others that you're coaching to help people deal with like the fear of loss of control? Like you were talking about loss of control earlier regarding the the pandemic. We all feel a sense of uncertainty and loss of control. So how, what are your recommendations for living in that space? (laughs) Okay, so I'll tell you what I did. I had the first thing is to recognize is that everything is temporary, right? If you get to this, everything is temporary. Even me living is temporary. I'm here for a period of time and then I'm going to go like many other great people that came before me, right? And I'm not equaling to them, but it's just the reality. Person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the life is temporary, death is permanent, right? Once you recognize this, then you get in perspective. The second thing, I don't know if you've heard of Sadhguru, uh, he talks uh, very equitably on this or very amazingly is this, that we are in this huge cosmos, right? It's a huge cosmos that we are in. Uh, in that cosmos, you know, solar system is a tiny speck of it, like because there's so many solar system glass. That solar system being the tiny speck, inside that, Earth is a minute speck of that solar system, right? If solar system vanishes, Earth vanishes, none of the other galaxies would know or care about what happened, right? Right. And within Earth, there are huge, right? It seems huge, but we are like microspec. Our city is microspec. Within that microspec, I am here and I'm a big man. Like a comparison of cosmos being so huge, and I'm just like a pop up here, and I'm gonna pop up and I'm gonna go, and nobody's gonna know about me. When you get that perspective, that how small are you compared to all this cosmos? Yeah. Right. You realize your problems are not that huge that is it's all temporary so we start from there and, and knowing that you know our our scale the things that we are marrying ourselves against money uh, houses cars 
that are our creation. Like this is what moved me listening and learning that whatever I have, I created it, right? It came to me with these hands. I worked, I earned money and I bought it. And what is it to say that, you know, I cannot do it again. Like I have that power. I use that power for 20 years and, and I can do that outside. But the, the reason I wasn't able to do that for 20 years or when I, even if I wanted to make a change was because I felt like this fear of if I lose, then what? So instead I flipped that, then that question, like if I lose, then what to, if I lose, so what, right? Mm. Flip that question and so what? Like it is not, as long as I have life, as long as I'm breathing, as long as I'm healthy, as long as I have my skills, I've developed, I've learned 20 years. It's not like I wasted those 20 years. I'll find something else. And this economy, like really now, digital economy, like there's endless limits. You can go, everybody is online. You can build, you know, in the pandemic, we saw how many new shops came up digitally, how many people started selling online, they were not selling. And everybody is, uh, you know, opening things on Etsy, whether it's Amazon, whether there's so many opportunities. 100 years ago, that was a problem, right? You only had one or two different kinds of careers you could do and um, jobs were limited. But now you can create, like we have such an immense power in, in such a amazing time of the life we are in where we can create. So yeah, just realizing, I would say in word word, turn that what if to so what. That is brilliant and I'm, I want to tattoo it on my body because it's really <laughs> powerful that we are we can regenerate ourselves and that we're stronger than we think and that we've come this far without dying so we must have done something right yeah and there is something there is something reassuring at least to me about the fact that we're all in this soup of uncertainty together you know when people live together through a trauma then they 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 form a bond naturally because they've all survived together do you bring that kind of understanding into your coaching? Like, would you consider yourself partly a therapist in your coaching? Not really. I mean, we, I don't touch upon it. My main idea is helping people realize the power of choice, like getting down to yes. choices. Yes. A lot of things I think when people get stuck uh, is lack of self-trust or lack of confidence, right? We, yes. we get into the fear because we forget our worthiness. I was reading this uh, quote earlier this week, somebody made a post and I read this quote that said, when you know your self-worth, you stop giving discount to people, right? Mm -hmm. Because every time, once you know your self-worth, you will not agree for anything less. You make a choice that, okay, I'm gonna do that, whatever areas it is, but you have to realize, and the reason people get lost or, or stuck is because they forget like they have that they once started like 20 years ago when I started career I was naive but I was a lot more confident than I at the end, other end of 20 years because yeah. I, in the beginning I had nothing to lose <laughs> in the end I, right but the way I, to change is it go back and bring that self-trust again how do you get self-trust it's an interesting way I learned. So when I realized I wanted to do something different with my life, I took some time off from my job. I said, okay, let me go find what that is. And the day one, I made a plan. Okay, I'm going to do 
all these things that are just focused around me. I was going to uh, get up early. I was going to go to work, uh, drop my children to school, eat healthy, exercise, uh, read books, meditate. I had all this plan laid out, mm-hmm. except it only lasted for one hour. <laughs> <laughs> because 20 years, I haven't done that, right? Yeah. And my brain is like, who are you? Like, you're going to change overnight even though I had so much willpower that I want to do and I can do it, it didn't work. So I had kept going and then, then I realized one thing that I, can, I need to buy trust with myself. I need my brain to trust me that I'm really honest about this change this time. Mm-hmm. And that I had to do one step at a time. So yeah. instead of doing all those crazy things in my head, I said, I was going to just commit to one little thing, one small thing. I was going to do that for one next 30 days. Come whatever may, I will do that one day. And I made, for me, it was taking a 15-minute walk. But what I recommend is people just pick up something that is so small that your brain and body does not have resistance. Like, you know, with your closed eyes, okay, I can do it. Like, uh, you know, I said, every day, Eliza, you need to pick up this pencil from here and here. You have to keep it. That's all you need to do. Like, it's so small that you don't have resistance. So I started with that. I started doing 15-minute walk. A week later, it became 30. A week later, it became 45. And I started to add more things to it. I started getting up early, sometimes dropping my children, going for a walk, reading books. All that started one thing at a time. So what I was doing in that process was I was buying trust with myself, right? I was making these habits that allow me to trust myself. And self-confidence just became a byproduct of it, that it allowed me to have this confidence, okay, I can go do this now. I can, you know, go try something new. And if I fail at it, it's okay, you know. But it started with that small little change. So I think uh, my advice for anybody wanting to change, just start small. Start so small that you don't have anything. And, you know, people always see your choices or decisions in a diff, in a way you weigh the scale we weigh is very uh, broken in a way that we make these big choices or big decisions buying home getting married uh, you know what kind of school and what way do we live those are the big decisions whereas those decisions can only come you can only have self-confidence to make those decisions if you have had enough self-trust with yourself and the self-trust comes with the smaller choices so (laughs) it's the decisions it's the choices you are making with yourself in your own company like when nobody's around and you say i'm gonna do this that's the one you need to keep that is i really feel like you have just crossed my path today to speak directly to me because this is something that i've been thinking about quite a lot lately and i think that like i had let the pendulum of my life swing way into the side of freedom and spontaneity and and play and doing what felt good because as a, as a child I never did that I was so over disciplined I was so hyper focused I burned out you know in my mid-20s and so so I I went all the way in the direction of like what if I don't let fear rule me and I just do whatever is yeah. pleasurable and I did that and it was wonderful until I came to the point where I wasn't doing a, I wasn't showing up for myself in those small ways. And so now I'm trying to bring the pendulum back toward the middle 
by doing exactly that, like not trying to climb the whole mountain, just like the first step of the mountain. Yeah. Like, can I, can I go to sleep at the same time every day and wake up at the same time every day? That's hard for me, but to decide to do it and then just do it. There are different things. Have you read, uh, have you read the power of habit by Charles Duhigg? No, I have not. Such a good book. And I, I recommend it to all the listeners. It's, I- yellow book with red on it. And uh, Charles Duhigg is, I think, uh, an economist for, for the New York Times, but it's all about the science, you know, the, the neuroscience of, of making a new habit and why it's so difficult. But I agree, it's, it's about building this self-trust. And, you know, if I have had so many days behind me where I haven't done X, Y, or Z, then I don't trust myself to take care of myself. And while at first that might feel like, oh, I'm just relaxing, this is great for me. Yeah. Too much relaxing is not good either. You know, it leads to this kind yeah. of ways. So I love what you're saying. I think it's totally true and yeah. really inspiring that you actually have made those changes yourself, that you're a success story. Yeah. No, I, I would say that, you know, as a daily, every day you have to go through it. Like it's not easy. Every day you will, your mind and body will, because body wants to rest, right? It, it has this, it wants to preserve itself, right? <laughs> and, uh, and so it will always tell you that. But the thing I would say is that when you cannot do it, just don't be judgmental about it. Because when you start to judging yourself for not doing it, that's when it starts to fall apart. Because those when you judge and think, okay, I missed it, I didn't do it, what subconsciously you're telling yourself is it's not working. And then it, oh, it's not working. That program starts to kick in. So being just aware of it is not there. And the other thing I would say is that we all, uh, and I can watch on it every day, I have these things that we make success so hard and failure so easy for us. What I mean by that is when we have success, right, our terms for success for our days, all those 10 different things that we want to be done and we check off and then it's a good day, right? And we miss one thing out of it, it's a failure. So you're giving failure so easy. Like once you fail, one, one day you miss sleeping on time, the same time you fail yourself like that's so easy and it can happen right whereas for you to get successful you have to have it for next 30 days that's so hard because you have not done that earlier in your life so if you could flip it and try to make success easier that instead of saying uh, if i do all these 10, 10, 10 things in my day it's a good day Say if I do three things out of the, any three things in this day, any order of the day, I have a good day. And if I miss my sleep, so that's making success easier. But if I miss sleeping on time for 15 days in a row, then it's a failure. That's making failure hard, right? Mm. And it's a mental, it's a mental twist as you're just psychologically using failure and success. Mm-hmm. on your terms so that you feel good because at the end if you feel good you're going to generate the good chemicals you're going to generate the good feelings those feelings are going to generate good thoughts and you know it's, it's going to get a loop so you have to make it easier for yourself by making success easier and 
you know, and it's, it's easy if you just start to have that weighing scale in your favor rather than in the failure's favor. Yeah, I mean, it does, it, we, we definitely as humans have a bias toward the negative, right? We see that yeah. it comes from a survival mechanism, but it's not, it's not serving us all the time. And, and, uh, and this is why I'd love to, I love to put tiny things on my to-do list that either are, are fun or don't even feel like a task just so I can cross it off and get that little dopamine hit, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, I could put make coffee on my to-do list and then I know I'm going to cross it off kind of no, thing. No. So yeah, it's like tricking yourself into, into recognizing when you're succeeding and giving yourself some leeway if you think you've failed because yeah, there are so many other things that you've done right today, you know? So or <laughs> you miss one day, right? It's okay. You're alive. You got up next to it. That's the more important thing to celebrate. So yeah, just don't. I mean, I, and I have to tell you that I fall in this trap every day. It's a, as long as we are alive, as long as we are living, we're going to have this battle every day. And whether we like it or not, we have to deal with it. So I'd rather deal it with more <laughs> excitement. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, and to, to always, I mean, you know, everybody likes to talk about gratitude, but like that is, I think so important for just focusing on what you do have, what you do have, what you do have. Yeah. I'm curious uh, because you have this background in technology and IT, which attracts like, you know, very specific kinds of minds to it. How has your interaction been with, you know, across different industries in terms of which industries people seem more willing to go with like a mindset shift and the industries in which people feel a little more hesitant or resistant? Or do you treat everybody, do you bring the same tools to everybody? I bring same tools to everybody because at the core, we are human and that yeah. works, those principles work. But some trades, people may be more closed, like they hold closed, they don't open up that easily. Then other than that could be both, uh, you know, it could be cultural, it could be trade, it could be also just your personality. Um, and engineers can be, like I was a shy person, I was a very introvert person, like, uh, you know, if you met me 30 years ago, I probably would be shy to reply, you know, I wouldn't even say hi, even if you said hi to me, I was that shy. So yeah, it's different, but those tools work, uh, whether you're a shy person or a uh, IT person or a doctor, those tools are same, like, uh, because it boils down to those choices, right? Those little things. And those little things may be different for us, but at the end, these are the choices. So from tools perspective, that's the same. Mm -hmm. and majority of people that I've worked are from the IT. They, they are either into the IT side of the things or the business, but it's in the same um, uh, retail space, I would say, the people I've worked so far. Mm -hmm. And do you, do you feel, and this is something that I ask to a lot of my guests, but do you feel that, that the pandemic has created a, a shift in how like cor the corporate world works? Do you think that the corporate world is sustainable for the long term or do you see it changing dramatically? I see a mix of it, right? Uh, it's definitely shifted people, right? And people are asking those tough questions that they didn't ask before. Right. And it's forcing corporate world to look at them, if not address it. Some are just addressing just by 
putting the posters and putting the social media marketing behind it. But there are definitely companies coming up that realize um, that if they have to sustain their brand, they have to do things to make it work. Otherwise, you know, uh, in the long term, it might not work. So I think there are definitely those difficult conversations happening now more than uh, before because people have realized that, you know, they have to ask these questions Mm -hmm. now. So, yeah. And realizing that they they have more power maybe than they used to think that they had power to choose and yes 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 they definitely people have realized there there is more power with them and um, they can do a lot and i mean that's vast majority but within that also there are people that still have that fear and it really depends on what lesson did you learn from the pandemic some people found their power and some people got a little bit more scared and get back yeah. into social and so it's a whole mix of things we have seen but definitely people are more open to have these conversations than before yeah which i think can only be a good thing uh, you know in the spiritual terms also mm-hmm. they say it's the shift is happening right now it's shift the reason people are asking these questions because people have realized all this effort do 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 culture is not working like we have tried the maximum we could have done we have done it right and and look at it you know uh, all that you could have done to save lives you have done it but still people are dying like all so much positive massive amount of energy focus yet we've realized that there are things that we cannot control so i think that shift in terms of thinking and priority is definitely there and it's a very good thing. So yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the spiritual aspect of it. <laughs> the fact that we're, you know, that some people say we're officially in the age of Aquarius now, this like yeah. massive waking up and you see, you know, things, more spiritual things coming into the zeitgeist, coming into like mass market, whether it's, you know, meditation or crystals or tarot cards or whatever, like it's, it's, it's everywhere now, which I think can only be a good thing. The side of people looking out, they've realized that all these, you know, um, uh, these uh, things, money, houses, cars, they're going to just give temporary things, but they're not going to give them that fulfillment. Because what we all want is, there's no ending to our wants, right? If I get this house, I'm going to have, look, somebody's bigger house, I want a bigger house, this city, bigger job, bigger it'll always be more at the end we don't want more we want it all like all we can have right and and that's the spiritual aspect of it that our life within us wants to grow it it doesn't want the boundaries we don't like the boundaries in terms of what we can do and experience we set our boundaries but life as such it doesn't like boundaries it has to grow and find what else it could do and that's why you know I, today i'm doing coaching tomorrow i may you know run out of run, liking it i would have to find what else i could do similar to you you enjoyed your freedom you enjoyed uh, going with the free flow state and now you're saying okay what else like i've tried i've juiced it all up now what else right so so that's life we're gonna always want it and that's what i think the spirituality is just bringing you to that conscious that okay it's gonna always be more uh, you're gonna always have all but 
why don't you just try to do something that at least gives meaning to you it's more than just about you yeah absolutely and i definitely feel that like you you and if you tune into your body you can tell when you've scratched that itch a little bit and i definitely came to this point where i was like i love performing i love doing comedy but i feel like there's more i feel like there's more and something that I heard on a podcast recently, I was listening to Team Human with Douglas Rushkoff, which is a great podcast. And he had Duncan Trussell on, who is one of my favorite people. And Duncan was talking about his friendship with Ram Dass. And Uh at one point, Ram Dass said to him, the longing is the grace, which blew my mind a little bit. Like we, we, yeah. we try to fight this feeling of longing or desire or want to for more, more, more. But like that is that is the expression of, you know, of consciousness trying to experience itself. So to sort of accept that and know that it's just trying to make you grow. Mm. Have you heard of Kyle C's by any chance? Yeah, I like Kyle C's. Yeah, so uh, Kyle was actually the person who, I mean, I remember clearly when I made a decision, okay, this is it, I want to change. And it was, I listened to Kyle on an interview and then I, uh, read some of his books and that changed me his book uh, money uh, money is an illusion or uh, the illusion of money that book that is a great book too it really uh, you know cracks down how much uh, of our decisions are this money whereas money is what we have just created right so it, that's a good mindset shift right there and he has done it like he was a his top of his career when he quit everything and went on the spiritual side and now he uh, does meditations he teaches meditations and uh, helps people with trauma but everything again goes back to the same thing getting back to alignment with ourselves and our source yeah absolutely uh that's a whole other conversation that i would love to have with you (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure we can go on and have an you know, hours and hours of conversation. Yeah. yeah, and just exchange all the recommendations for reading and listening and everything. Well, I so I like to uh, finish up every episode with a question from the Zany question database. Okay. Uh, because the idea is, you know, to connect with people and more empathetically, you ask them questions about who they are as people, like not just about their work. Yes, so, yes. The question that I have selected for you is, do you have any talismans or lucky charms and what are they? I don't have lucky charms or talismans, but what I think uh, that thing, uh, you know, sometimes you have this clothing or something you wear and it just gives you confidence. Yes. For, yes. for me, is my turban. Like when I am with turban and I'm sort of wearing uh properly dressed up, um, not whether t-shirt or all, but I'm wearing turban, then I feel like I'm more confident, I have more power, and it could be, it's, you know, that I am able to see myself ready for doing what I'm going into, uh, so yeah, for me, that's my turban. I love that, I love that, yeah, I feel like when I wake up in the morning, when I choose what jewelry I'm going to wear, it's yeah. like I'm, it's like I'm putting on my armor, and you yeah. know, setting myself up to, to feel powerful and feel like myself. Um, yeah, 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 we all have that. There's a book called uh, Big Energy Money or uh, High Energy Money. There's this guy, real estate guy in New York uh, who was very successful and he recently, uh, uh, I think six months back, uh, launched a book 
uh, it's around energy and he speaks in that book about having that like you wearing your own crown or whether yeah. it's a suit or whatever uh, he he has a particular suit that every time he's going into a big interview that's all he wears and uh, and that idea and then uh, that's what when i heard to him uh, because before that i was doing coaching in a lot more laid back uh, i wouldn't wear full turban there's a shorter version i would wear and it just feel empty and then i started okay i want to change i want to do what I do when I used to go out of home to work, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where my turban full, and it just shifted. It's it's it's, it's bizarre, but it it works. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, I noticed so when I was living in Los Angeles, where everything is much more slow and relaxed and free flowing, yeah. that when I would get up in the morning, I wanted to wear structured clothing just to yeah. you know get myself on track because otherwise you can kind of turn into a puddle. At least I could out there of New York where everything is so structured and rigorous. So here I generally wear just like dresses that are bad. You want to stand out. You want to be different. (laughs) Or just like balance the energy, you know, from inside and outside. But it it, it definitely makes a difference, you know? Well, awesome. This has been wonderful. I wonder if you want to tell people where they can find out more about you. Right now, I don't have website I'm primarily on LinkedIn or Instagram, but more so on LinkedIn. So, uh, yeah, Manpreet-Pava on LinkedIn. That's where I am. Uh, that's where I post every day. All my content right now is free. So, you know, and if you have any questions, you want to talk more, you can always DM me. I'm not super busy coach, so I can help more. I have time I can share. Um, and honestly, if anything I can answer, I feel like, you know, the person when I was stuck and somebody was able to give me a little bit of hand and move me, I didn't have, but I had myself, I used some self-help and got there. But if I can be that hand in somebody's journey, that's all I wanted. That's that's yeah. Just paying it forward. Absolutely. Great. Yeah. Manfred Fawa, thank you so much for joining us on What's Between This. Thank you very much. It was an honor. And you were brilliant, brilliant host. Like, I just didn't feel like it was an interview. It was just two friends meeting after a long oh, time. Thank you. Thank you. It's what I strive for. <laughs> All right. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to episode 33 of What's Betwixt Us? Stories of Working While Human. If you want to connect with Manpreet, I recommend reaching out to him on LinkedIn. He's kind, responsive, wise, and is cooking up many inspired ideas for the future of work and of life. What's Betwixt Us is powered by Zany, designed to build trust and authentic human connection in remote workspaces. More at zanie.app. Human first, everything else after. Human first, everything else after.